channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on February 6th, 2021, and is current through Star Trek Discovery Season 3, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. Catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are six television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone, and my guest this week is returning guest and lead singer of the Star Trek-themed punk rock group, Boldly Go. It's Foz Rotten. Foz, welcome back to Weekly Trek. Thank you, Alex. Excited to be here, sir. It's been too long, man. All right, Foz. Well, you know the drill. I want to know something that's got you feeling good about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, after all the uh, Star Trek TV show excitement, where it's just been an onslaught of like, how many weeks was it? 23 weeks of nonstop Trek. Oh, yes. Just kept coming. That now I was afraid that it was going to like kind of get into like a little spell of, oh, yeah, we'll get to it eventually. But I'm sure we'll get into it later. But with the Paramount Plus trainer rolling, (laughs) I'm loving all these new commercials and everything coming out, (laughs) supporting Star Trek front and center to kind of just be like here public remember star trek it's it's great yeah we will talk about this a little later but it certainly does seem that viacom cbs is putting star trek front and center for their advertising campaign for the launch of paramount plus and there are some delightful super bowl commercials which we'll talk a little bit about more later that the internet certainly seems to be enjoying and the thing I'm feeling good about this week is there was an article on Star Trek.com this week about weird Star Trek collectibles. And they then asked people to post about their weird Star Trek collectibles because there's just, there's a lot of really weird stuff out there. I mean, even some of the stuff that like is quite prolific when you really start thinking about it, it's a little weird. Like for example, those Hamilton collector's plates in the 90s. Do you remember those fars? Oh, yes. You see those at the conventions and you're still like, do I get them for irony or because they're awesome or maybe just not at all? Yeah, I I have one which comes out at Christmas. It's the Generations Christmas nexus scene it it, it comes out every christmas and it's it is that combination of uh, on the one hand i think it is you know sort of in that kind of christmas sort of twee sort of vein but it's also (laughs) ironic because it's so weird that there's a plate out there that has picard's creepy weird nexus christmas fantasy on it this so there were lots of funny responses to this and it made me think about what my weirdest star trek collectible is and i've got some weird stuff But the one that has me really tickled at the moment is shortly before Star Trek Generations, Playmates, as part of the Star Trek Deep Space Nine action figure line, put out a Jean-Luc Picard wearing the Deep Space Nine style uniform, which of course he did in Star Trek Generations, but of course they didn't know that at the time. At that point, they were still working on making Generations figures for the new uniforms that never made it to screen Mm -hmm. and that you can really only find on 
on the Playmates Generations figures. But if you look on the back of the packaging for this Captain Picard on Star Trek Deep Space Nine card, the explanation for why Captain Picard is wearing this Deep Space Nine uniform is bonkers. It's about how he's from an alternate universe in which he is the commander of Deep Space Nine and that he has a completely different personality from our Jean-Luc Picard and isn't capable of commanding a starship. It's just the weirdest thing. I love it so much. Vaz, do you have any weird Star Trek collectibles? No, but I wish I had that now. That's amazing. (laughs) It's so weird. I normally don't keep action figures in the box, but this one I had to keep in the box just because the box is half of the fun oh yeah I, whenever i was younger and the uh you know the play my action figures was out i had a, a handful i had a few i really liked my phaser that i used to play with a lot oh yeah that in a tricorder but i never got into like the collecting uh, the collecting all of them phase of it but now that for the last five six years however long i've been deep diving back into star trek real big there i have picked up a few mostly it's just like the odd weird ones yeah uh, i was actually thinking about this um by posting a picture of it i i like my general chang i still have in the package and everything i was like i saw where trek were you know posted a thing about it uh and i was like oh that that's cool because i like the the weird odd ones that's like the side characters yeah because you know anybody can get a picard or a kirk but you know i I just like the weird ones well that chang figure is actually really nice Mm -hmm. i had been years since i'd seen it and i saw it too when trekwa posted it the other day and it's actually a really good figure in terms of like the likeness of chang from the movie it really is i got that one in a in a a batch uh from this comic book store that was uh changing locations and they were pretty cheap so i picked up about 10 of them and like i said and they were all the side characters i know with that one i also got i forget her name but the shape character in uh, Undiscovered Country. Marcia. Yeah, uh, I got that one in the same batch and like just got a whole lot of cool ones. Uh, I would love to get like complete collections of, and that's me. I'm the I'm a completist. I, once I start a collection, I have to finish it. So that's one reason I've never really started. All right. Well, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on and I'm a reporter. Hollywood icon, Oscar winner and star of Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, and perhaps his greatest achievement, the video game Star Trek Klingon Academy, actor Christopher Plummer passed away on February 5th at the age of 91. The actor, whose gripping portrayal of Klingon General Chang in Star Trek VI captivated audiences and kicked off a new appreciation for Shakespeare in the original Klingon, was fondly remembered by Star Trek luminaries past and present. Star Trek star William Shatner a fellow Canadian who had acted alongside Plummer for many years before they both moved to the United States, said on Twitter that, quote, I think the final picture of our friendship was in a documentary I was making in which I interviewed him at a theatre that we both played at the Stratford, Ontario Festival. We spent the afternoon laughing and rejoicing in our mutual experiences. That afternoon defined my friendship with Chris. I am so sad to lose him. The picture Shatner refers to came from an interview he conducted with Plummer for the Captain's documentary in 2011, in which Plummer revealed he had been a big Star Trek fan prior to landing the role of Chang. I was a serious Trekkie when it first came out, Plummer told Shatner in the documentary. I was living in England all through the 1960s, but I watched you on television over and over again. In that same interview, Plummer reflected on his role as Chang, saying, quote, I had the most marvelous time playing with you guys again. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Christopher Plummer. But Foz, do you have a favorite Christopher Plummer moment from Star Trek VI or maybe even Klingon Academy? (laughs) 
<laughs> I remember the game that you were talking about. That was from around 2000 or so. Yep, that's right. Uh, well, I mean, Undiscovered Country is my favorite of the original movies, and he's a big reason for that. You know, the, the whole Shakespeare part of it, I, I always loved it. And it's fun as a person who posts a lot of uh, Star Trek, you know, pictures and memes and everything. He's all, he's always like just one of the best villains to post something about. And, and honestly, like when you get down to it, he was one of the most probably menacing rivals or memorable rivals or that, that really gave Kirk a go. Because think about what he accomplished to do that so many others couldn't. He got Kirk put away and framed for a murder, <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, and Bones along with him. It's like, how many people tried? I mean, Khan never even really got that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chang, to my mind, is easily a top three villain from the Star Trek movies. I think the only ones that even get close to holding a candle are Khan from the Wrath of Khan and the Ball Queen from Star Trek First Contact, in my opinion. Others may decide that Cyborg is in their top three <laughs> villains and they're perfectly entitled to that opinion. But Plummer's performance in Star Trek 60 Undiscovered Country is just, it's so good. I mean, he's sort of entirely committed himself to that role, which for a man who is a very prominent A-list Hollywood actor, even in... 1992, which was when that movie mm -hmm. came out, he was a very famous actor at the time. You know, you could easily see an actor of that caliber sort of, you know, turning their nose up at some of the material they've been given. The fact that Shakespeare in the original Klingon works only works because Christopher Plummer does his absolute utmost to sell it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's sort of a ridiculous concept, right? And if you were to just read the script and you hadn't seen the movie, I don't know that you would feel like that was a cool concept, but it is 100% a cool concept entirely because Christopher Plummer just goes right in and gives it his all. And I've mentioned it a couple of times, the Klingon Academy game, which I had at the time and promptly forgot entirely about for the last 21 years until Trekcore posted a video of one of the cutscenes, which is Christopher Plummer in a 2000 video game reprising his role as Chang for the cutscenes in this video game, which is just the craziest thing in my mind that they managed to get Christopher Plummer of all people back for a video game, which itself for a video game, it was, you know, quite a lavish affair but it was still a video game. And watching the cutscene that I saw, it's like, it's obvious the makeup's not as good. The costume's not as good. The sets are not as good. And they got Christopher Plummer back to do that. Like, how crazy is that? That just goes to show how much he actually enjoyed the character and working on the film in the first go around. That's the only explanation I could think of. There's going to be a lot of think pieces about Christopher Plummer published over the next few weeks. But the only one I'm interested in reading is one about his appearance on the Klingon Academy video game. I would read 5,000 words on that easily. Well, Viacom CBS is ramping up the hype machine for the launch of Paramount Plus on March 4th, and Star Trek is front and center of their advertising campaign to publicize the launch of the expanded streaming service that will replace CBS All Access. CBS, which aired the Super Bowl last night, well, it's tomorrow night for us recording, but it's last night if you're listening to this the day it dropped in the United States, featured a series of commercials, which you may have seen online already over the past couple of weeks, of famous characters from CBS properties, including Star Trek Discovery's Michael Burnham, Star Trek Strange New Worlds' Pike and Spark, climbing Paramount Mountain. 
And who did they meet at the top of Paramount Mountain? Well, none other than voiceover artist extraordinaire and little-known Shakespearean actor himself, Sir Patrick Stewart. In addition to the advertising campaign for Paramount+, Plus, which is expected to continue through the end of February, Viacom CBS have also announced an investors event on February 24th to preview additional plans and content for the streaming service. And while I don't expect this Viacom CBS investors presentation to be anywhere near the announcement bonanza that was the Disney Plus investors presentation at the end of last year, in which a truckload of new Star Wars and Marvel TV shows were announced, I can't entirely rule out that some Star Trek announcements may be forthcoming on February 24th to build excitement for the arrival of Paramount+. Plus. Foz, did you enjoy the Paramount Mountain commercials released in advance of the Super Bowl? Oh boy, did I. My favorite so far, even though I really enjoyed the uh, new Reno 911 Michael Burnham crossover, is on that first one they released where they had Beavis and Butthead following Spock. I was like, (laughs) this is everything I am. This is Boldly Go in one screenshot. Yeah, there's some very funny little moments in the commercials. The Vulcan ear earmuffs that Spock mm-hmm. is wearing, the sort of very exasperated look that Michael Burnham gives when Beavis and Butthead are laughing about the word crack. <laughs> there's also this funny moment I don't know if you've seen the last one where they get to the top and Sir Patrick Stewart's in it and he's sitting at a bar and the bartender is Stephen Colbert and I'm not going to do justice it's not going to sound funny me explaining it but I thought it was funny watching it so Patrick Stewart's like now we all get to dance because we've reached the top of Paramount Mountain and Stephen Colbert just in perfectly deadpans sure let's make this weirder that <laughs> for me was just was a hilarious moment but I think the broader point here I mean enjoyment of the commercials are Side is it is really fabulous. I mean, there are I've seen four or five of these commercials, right, that they've made and that will play throughout the Super Bowl, and each of them has Star Trek in it mm-hmm. in normally a pretty prominent way. There are three of them that feature Star Trek in a big way, and then Patrick Stewart sort of narrates the whole thing. So you know, for anybody who thought that a rebranding of CBS All Access into Paramount Plus was not going to be sort of a mechanism to continue to kind of focus on the importance of Star Trek as part of that new streaming service, you know, I think these commercials sort of put that to bed. And also the, you know, I mean, obviously, very few people who listen to my show will probably believe this, but like in other parts of the internet where the discussion is about how unsuccessful Star Trek is and how dreadful it is and how, you know, modern Star Trek is an animated corpse kept alive by the largesse of Viacom CBS, even though they love to find a way to kill it. If you're launching a new streaming service and you have a deeply unsuccessful franchise property, you don't put it front and center in your Super Bowl advertising campaign. I think the fact that Star Trek is front and center in those Super Bowl commercials is a massively positive sign for the way in which this corporation feels about the franchise and where the franchise is headed and what they think is going to make people ultimately subscribe to Paramount Plus, right? What they're saying is, come subscribe to Paramount Plus, we've got a hell of a lot of Star Trek. And for us in the position of being fans, that is no bad thing. Well, I mean, we've been the ones keeping it going for what, like three years now? I know that there are some other original programming, but let's face it, it's pretty much the Star Trek app. 
That's what everyone yeah, gets it for. And so they're not they're not dumb to that. They put us front and center. They're like, here, this is for the fans. It's been keeping us going. And then here's all this other stuff to bring in the new people, make it look cool and flashy. But they know that their core audience is already there and they're making us happy. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, who knows what will come on February the 24th. It's actually my theory this week of what, if anything, we might hear at this Investor Day preview. I mean, I think one thing we should say is Viacom CBS is not being super super imaginative or innovative, right? Disney launches Disney Plus. Now Viacom mm-hmm. CBS is rebranding CBS All Access to Paramount Plus. You know, it's mm-hmm. all the pluses. And they're doing this investor event. It's meant to sort of preview some more content. And Disney did the fabulous investors event in December. But hey, it worked, right? Like Disney got a massive amount of coverage from having done that. And so if Viacom CBS can do something similar and preview some fun stuff for Star Trek, that will be fabulous. But uh, I'll hold further comment on that until we get to the end of the show. Well, this is what I have to, to say about this. I was thinking about this one earlier. Now, I hope that they aren't as sloppy as HBO was with their platforms. From what I reading from what I'm understanding, CBS Plus, the apps that we have now, what we're paying for, will just naturally turn in to Paramount Plus, or CBS All Access will turn into Paramount Plus. Now, whenever they did the HBO rollout, that was sloppy as could be. It was like, what was it, HBO Now? And then you had to get HBO Max, which was totally separate and wasn't even on Roku or anything until recently. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, it's still a little unclear exactly what's going to happen on March 4th. What they have said is all of the account, the CBS All Access accounts will migrate over to Paramount Plus. But the part that I'm not clear on yet is, will your CBS All Access app on your Amazon Fire Stick or your Roku or -hmm. on your phone or your tablet, will it magically turn into Paramount Plus or will you have to re-download a new app and delete the CBS All Access app because now it's Paramount Plus? That's the one thing I don't know. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like, ideally what's going to happen, what they've said will happen is that everything will migrate over and you will go from being a CBS All Access customer on March 3rd to being a Paramount Plus customer on March 4th and the rest of it will continue and there will be no CBS All Access anymore. So I think they still do need to clarify that a little bit, but I'm assuming with a month's worth of time left before that happens, we'll learn a bit more. And they shouldn't underestimate the importance of a smooth transition like that. For me, it put me off the the whole HBO thing altogether because me and my wife signed up for HBO Max immediately or we had Roku, we couldn't watch it. So we were mad. So we immediately, immediately canceled it. And then even though it's on Roku now, we still haven't gotten it, even though there's stuff we're wanting to watch. Right. So, you know, a smooth transition transition to like especially everyday people who don't have a big stake in the game like we're trekkies we're going to be getting it one way or the other we're going to be watching it but you know somebody who's just a casual fan they just want easy absolutely absolutely yeah the devil will be in the details and we'll have to see how that materializes Well, coming this April, Eagle Moss will be relaunching their Star Trek Discovery Starships collection as a Star Trek Universe Starships collection, comprising model starships for Star Trek's Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. That's not new news, but what is new news is that Eagle Moss have now released previews of the first two ships that will lead off the line, both from Star Trek Picard Season 1. First up will be La Serena, the Kaplan F-17 speed freighter that ferried Admiral Jean-Luc Picard 
retired from Earth to Romulan space and beyond over the course of Picard's first season. And then following on with issue two, the toughest, meanest, most advanced ship Starfleet has ever put into service will join the fleet, that being the USS Zhang He, which led a fleet of Inquiry-class ships to stop the Romulans from destroying the android population of Gurlian 4. I'm particularly excited for this one, as we did not get a great look at the ship in the Picard season finale, and I am itching to examine it from as many angles as possible. Additional ships expected in the line include Seven's Fenris Rangers vessel, the Wallenberg-class transport seen in flashbacks to the Romulan evacuation, and the, I think there were maybe three new type of Romulan warbirds seen throughout the first season of Picard, and eventually ships from Star Trek Discovery Season 3 and then Strange New Worlds Season 1 will premiere in the collection. Foz, are there any ships here you are particularly interested in picking up, whether it's either of the two that have already been previewed or any of the other possible ships from either Picard Season 1, Discovery Season 3 that you might be interested in getting your hands on? Well, I'm not a big collector of the Eagle Moss, but I love looking at them online. I love looking at all the videos. Uh, I just don't have the room for them. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. But I mean, everything coming out looks looks awesome. I was really looking at it right before this. But the ones that got me excited about Discovery Season 3 is I want to see how they do Discovery itself now, you know, with the, with the nacelles. I want to see that. Yep. And I think everyone's curious. And I also want to see uh, the, the Voyager. What is it? J? Yep. Those are the two that I really want to see. Yeah, the detached nacelle thing is, it's the question on everybody's mind is, how are Eagle Moss going to do these models where the ships are supposed to have detached nacelles? Unfortunately, it'll probably be six to eight months before we find out the answer to that, though. Ben Robinson did say they were trying to fast track doing the Discovery A as an XL edition, so we should get a preview. I can't decide if they're going to go with like either having sort of clear plastic parts, so it is one model, but there are clear plastic bits to sort of kind of hold everything together to sort of make it seem as though they're detached but really they're not detached from the model itself. Mm -hmm. Or if they're going to change up the stands and the way the stands work so you have kind of a stand holding the ship, but then you have little bits that branch off and you sort of put the cells in those too. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. The other thing I'll say is for this line and for the Discovery line, I mean, they really benefit from the fact that they, A, everything is CGI. And so what they start with is a CG model and then they build the physical kind of prototype out of the CG model, but B, that they have easy access to the production who provides them with the original model files. For a lot of the other Eagle Moss ships from the older shows, there's always like things that people get very worked up about, details that are wrong, things they've sort of not done quite correctly because the reference photos they've been using have been of slightly different models or changes in the model from what it's supposed to be. But for these Discovery and now for the Picard ships, like these are like perfect models in terms of matching what's seen on screen because they're just using the original CG model. So it is really sort of leaps and bounds above what they've been able to do up to this point. And lastly this week... Mego have revealed pictures of the second of three planned releases of Star Trek Discovery figures in the famous Mego style. Joining Saru, who was released just before the holidays, Captain Pike, dressed in the yellow command uniform from the USS Enterprise, will be next to hit shelves at Walmart and select retailers nationwide. Like other Mego figures, Pike retails for $15.99, and Michael Burnham is expected to be released next. Next. Foz, are you a fan? We talked about 
playmates at the start of the episode, but are you a fan of some? Have you ever owned any of the larger Mego figures? I am a fan in theory. I haven't gotten any yet, but all these discovery ones, I'm really wanting that, that Pike. I, I was sold as soon as I saw the, the picture and the Saru will be mine as soon as I can track it down. I want all the discovery toys. I got the, um, the Funko pops and yep. I love those. I've been waiting to, uh, pull the trigger on getting a, a Saru bust that I've been looking at, but you know, again, room and money comes into play but <laughs> yes but these uh Mego figures um the one i've been wanting for a couple of years now has been the gorn one that's been like extremely hard to find mm-hmm. so i might just go ahead one day and treat myself and get the the gorn one the saru one and then start getting the new discovery ones as they come out and these the other ones of like picard and data look great too yeah i'm a huge fan anytime there's new merchandise for any of the new shows i mean discovery certainly feels like it has been a bit starved in the merchandise department i i think you know a lot Lots of people are sort of, you know, asking why that is. And I think it's just because the sort of merchandise world has moved on a lot from the kind of Playmates era of the 90s and Discovery is an adult show and not a lot of kids watch it. And if you can't sell a lot of product to kids, then you're not necessarily going to make like action figures of it. I mean, McFarlane Mm -hmm. had the license and that fell apart and there's a whole story behind it. But it is always cool to get new merchandise. And it's also cool that Mego have expanded beyond just doing TOS, which obviously the company was originally founded in the 70s when TOS was the only thing going. And they made a bunch of TOS figures then. And then the company sort of came back about five years years ago and started making Star Trek figures again, and they made a lot more TOS, but now they have started to branch out into other shows. I actually just bought my first Mego figure. I just ordered it yesterday, and it's the Q in Judge's robes that they did for their Next Generation line. They've done Picard and Data, and then Locutus and Q, and I picked up Q because of all of the figures, the sort of cloth figures, like Mm -hmm. the ornate Judge robes actually really works with, because they're sort of very billowy, and I like the sculpt of the face. And I actually think I'll get this Pike too. I I like it. And uh, so I'm going to get it. So uh, my first and second Mego toys I have purchased, or uh, the first I purchased yesterday, and the second I will purchase as soon as it's available, because I think this Pike one's very cool. And I would like to support the idea of getting more Discovery merchandise. And I really want there to be a Michael Burnham figure to go along with it. So when that comes out, that will be my third Mego purchase. Very, very cool. So you're not going to get the the Saru one? I might just because then I'm a completist, but I do mm-hmm. have for Saru, I have the bust that Gentle Giant did a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. It was like the only Star Trek thing they did, and it's just a really incredible bust. It's highly, highly detailed. It looks just like Doug Jones does in the show. And so next to that, nothing can quite ever compare. So that's the reason why I, I have not kind of considered the Saru. But if I get the Pike and I get the Burnham, you know, there's probably not, it, it is not too unlikely to assume that I will then pick up the third as well. This is just kind of daydreaming, but there's a company that I really enjoy called Super 7. Are you familiar with them? They do that kind of the reaction figure style figures. Yes. They... Like just even uh, their big thing this week have been announcing like, oh gosh, was it the, the, I can't think of the name now, but the Thundercats car, the uh, Thundermobile or whatever. I can't think of the name, but yeah, they do really cool franchises and they, they, they make the toys excellent. And they, they have everything from like Judas Priest and Motorhead toys to a lot of like alien toys and just like really cool horror and just genre ones. And I would love to see them get 
Star Trek and see what they can do. Because I know those Star Trek reaction figures a while back, there wasn't that many of them, and they're hard to find now. Well, actually, you know what's super interesting, and I can't believe I didn't put it on the list of things to talk about this week, but you saying that has reminded me of it. They actually announced they're doing TNG this week. As you say, they did do some original series ones a couple of years ago, and that was their only foray into Star Trek. But they announced they're doing Picard, a Borg, Guinan, I think Data, Worf maybe. Very cool. Yeah, so they are doing a few and those will come out. Yeah, those are coming in the fall. No, thank you for saying that because it reminded me that I missed a news story this week in the action figure world, which is, yeah, they're so uh, Super 7 are sort of supplementing the earlier TOS figures they did by doing some next generation ones. So fingers crossed those will ultimately end up being successful too. Awesome, because like I know another franchise I'm always collecting stuff of probably second most of Star Trek is Back to the Future. And they had they had a, a limited run of the reaction figures back in the day of just regular Back to the Future figures. And they were they were fine, just like the Star Trek figures were fine, but not like amazing. Yeah. But they, they have recently come out with the Super 7 Back to the Future 2 series figures, like a ton of them, and they look great. Yep. Very exciting. Yeah. So what so we've got more Mego, you know, going to new shows and we've got uh, reaction going to new shows. So hopefully, you know, things are starting to look up in the merchandise world. All right. All right. Well, we've talked about the facts and now let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain, but it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, I and my guest give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise. So, Foz, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. All right. Well, I'm sure this is more of a wish than a theory. But, okay, you know how on all these Paramount Plus ads, they've been showing all these shows from CBS. I have not seen anything for the Scott Bakula-led show, NCIS New Orleans. Is that yes. correct? Mm-hmm. I have not seen anything. And that's one of their like, prime shows. So my hope slash theory is that maybe, you know, that you've heard our pleas for an Admiral Archer show and that they will be announcing it. And then we'll finally get one of these ads of Scott Bakula in the Admiral outfit. And we'll get the big announcement for the Admiral Archer show. That would be awesome. Yeah, I too noticed that he was not in any of these commercials and I mentioned that to a friend and he said, oh, that's because he's climbing CBS Broadcast Mountain instead of Paramount Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it was, uh, yeah, they sort of had a, it was sort of a weird mix. It was Obviously, they had all of their kind of CBS All Access original stuff, but then they had a couple of the CBS broadcast shows, but they didn't have a lot of the like big shows like the NCIS shows, which I thought was a little strange, even though they are also on the service mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, being on television. Yeah, I mean, I, I am on record as saying I would love an Enterprise continuation. I would love an Admiral Archer show. I think that is a fabulous wish. And hey, we've got a CBS Investors event coming up on February the 24th. And if they really are copying the Disney model, which I don't think they are, but for a moment we will sort of dream and say that they are, you know, Disney announced 10 shows in their investor event for Mm -hmm. Star Wars. So why not announce 10 more Star Trek shows and, you know, have one be a, they throw up the title cards and, you know, they go through Discovery and Strange New Worlds and Picard and then Star Trek Archer and, you know, Prodigy and then other shows down the line that, you know, would be very cool and people would really look forward to. So yeah, I think that's awesome. It's right there. They'd have three captains back in brand new shows. Oh, I would love that. Well, my theory this week is 
also on the investor event, as I said. So I think something's going to happen at the investor event that's Star Trek related. They're sort of clearly starting to build this thing where they want to generate some excitement for Paramount Plus. February 24th is about 10 days before the launch of Paramount Plus itself. And so... I just think that, you know, they've copied Disney so much. As we've said, I don't think they do anything as ambitious or big sort of large scale as Disney did. And mostly from a Star Trek perspective, I feel like that's because there's already a lot of kind of Star Trek in the pipeline at what is about to become Paramount Plus. Unlike Disney Plus, where they had one Star Wars show out and then they announced a bunch more and just sort of filled that slate overnight. For us, we've sort of been finding out pieces of that slate over the last couple of years. And now we have a lot of shows to look forward to, but I think there's still going to be something. And last week we talked about how Strange New Worlds is clearly getting very close to filming. I was talking about how, you know, the stuff on the internet around set construction and very obviously they're sort of closing in on filming. Well, someone pointed me to the fact that Anson Mount's wife put a picture on Instagram that indicated that Anson and his wife are now up in Canada. So inching even closer to filming because they've now got the actors in the country and for American actors going to Canada to do filming, they have to go at least two weeks in advance and quarantine and then they can go and film so presumably Anson is at some point in that quarantine and you know I mean maybe come Monday Star Trek Strange New Worlds starts filming well February 24th is not too far away Strange New Worlds is about to start filming it means there's other cast members who almost certainly are there too right I mean we know Ethan Peck's going to play Spark we know that Rebecca Romaine's going to play number one but presumably there's going to be more than three characters on this show and so my theory is that at the Paramount Plus Investors event on March the 24th, they will announce the full cast for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and give us something, maybe like a logo, which we've not seen yet. There are logos on the production materials that we have seen going around on Instagram, but like, who knows if that's the like actual logo for the show or if that's still being worked on. So my theory is, given that it's about to go before the cameras, and as a result, it's going to be tough for them to like keep some of these things under wraps, like who's on the show and who's working on the show indefinitely, I think they will make an announcement around who the rest of the cast is and maybe the characters that they're playing because as far as we know, Strange New Worlds is going to start filming this month. Foz, what do you think? Has anyone looked to see where Jeffrey Combs is lately? <laughs> that would be great. That would be just fine and dandy. I think that's right. I mean, there's been all that that talk about, you know, actors being there for, was it, 14 days beforehand? Yeah. And you're just in an isolation bubble. So, I mean, we're going to be seeing a lot more spoilers of like that of casting in the in the future because you know what do actors like to do they like to get on instagram like to go on twitter they like to talk somebody's going to inevitably slip up and talk about canada right and somebody will put two and two together and we'll figure something out yeah and that's why ultimately i think it's in their best interest for them to you know once the show is filming to announce who the cast is because it's not going to stay a secret for all that long before the rest of the world finds out and you're not spoiling anything by saying who is going to be in the show right even the lord of the Rings show on amazon probably the most secretive production that 
exists, also the most expensive production that exists. Even they, they've not said any of the characters, but they've released the names of the actors who are working on the show. So like we at least, at least know that much about the Lord of the Rings show and we know very little else. I feel like for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, you know, we'll, we'll get something. Will we also get an additional show announcement? I mean, it's been a year now since Alex Kurtzman said that there were two unannounced live action shows, one of which ended up being Strange New Worlds, but which still leaves one out there in the ether, which we know is not the Section 31 show because he said it was a show that had not even been announced as being in development. Could we get that announcement on February 24th? Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So make sure on the 24th you have your target locked on TrekCore because I'm sure we will be getting all of the information, whether small or large, from them that day. Definitely. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, or the future of the franchise that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the Transmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Foz Rotten, for joining me today. Foz, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Oh, please do. Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere at Foz Rotten. And also check out my band at Boldly Go Band. We are a Star Trek themed punk rock band. We have our debut album out now on Coffin Curse Records. It's available everywhere uh, streaming, United Federation of Punks. Um, you can get the uh, CD right now. You can get uh, a pre-order on the uh, limited edition vinyl coming out. We got it all. If you like Star Trek, you like punk rock, please hit us up. Highly, highly recommended. It is a fabulous listen. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Foz. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. 